So I'm in 8th grade, and when I was in the 6th grade, we decided to book an Airbnb in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. It was right at the beach to where we had a large back deck facing the ocean. Now, when we first got there, we unloaded all of our luggage and chose the bedrooms. It was me who was 11, my younger brother who was 7, my older brother who was 18, and my mom and dad. Both me and my younger brother chose the first bedroom to the left of the stairs when you walk up to the second story, as it had bunk beds, so it was perfect for us. My older brother chose the room in the middle right of the hallway because it was a queen bed and a TV. My parents chose the master bedroom, which had a king-size bed, their own bathroom, and a huge closet and balcony. Once we finished that, we went outside on the deck watching the sunset in the hot tub. We had heard some noises coming from upstairs, so my dad grabbed his gun that he had in his bag, and I grabbed the biggest kitchen knife. We then went to go upstairs and investigate. Now, let me explain the layout so that the story will make a bit more sense. There were four rooms up there, and a large closet. There were two rooms as soon as you walked up the stairs. There was a bedroom on the left, and a bathroom on the right. Both me and my dad went to go investigate the bedroom. We went to check the closet, and there was just coat hangers and an extra blanket. We checked under the bed. My dad had shined his flashlight under the bed, but all we saw was just a couple of wrappers from food. While we were getting up, we heard a quiet little clicking sound coming from the master bedroom. When my dad and I went to go check the master bedroom, we noticed that the closet was cracked open a little. It wasn't anything like that when we got there and put our luggage up. So when my dad opened the door, it was the Airbnb host, and he was then standing in the closet holding a knife. When he saw my dad with a gun, he then stabbed my dad right in the arm. When he got out of the closet though, he hadn't seen me. So remember when I said I got the kitchen knife? Yeah. I then cut him pretty bad on his back. The man then fell to the ground, screaming in pain. My dad was about six foot two and 220 pounds, so he was able to pin the man to the ground pretty easily. My dad then said he'll pin him down, and he told me to call the cops while he did so. So I called the cops, and they were then there in under 10 minutes. My dad had to get 13 stitches in his arm from the damage. There ended up being a whole case for this, and it's still ongoing, but basically the Airbnb host is being charged for attempted murder. I really have no idea why this guy would use his house as an Airbnb just to try and kill the people he rents it out to. To the Airbnb host, I really hope you rot in hell. We haven't done Airbnb since this happened, and we've just decided to book hotels instead. Hi, my name is Lissa. I'm 22 years old and this story happened last summer. For the privacy of my friends, I have changed their names. For a little backstory, in April my roommate Chloe and our friend Anna got pit tickets to see Kane Brown. He was playing at a state fair and we were so excited. We had it all planned out. It was only a couple of hours away, but by the time the concert got out, 
we all knew we would be tired. So we booked an Airbnb. It was only 10 minutes away from the concert. So the night before, Anna had spent the night in our apartment and we all got ready in the morning. After we packed the car, we headed downstate for the three hour drive. Once we got to the Airbnb, everything was normal. We unpacked the car and we looked around. It was a cute little tiny house with rooms upstairs and downstairs. Once we set our stuff up in our rooms, we had some time to kill before the concert, so we had got on TikTok Live. Everything was pretty normal. Shortly after, we quickly headed to the concert and had a really great time. We were right in the front. After the concert, though, is when things got weird. We got back to our Airbnb, and we then changed into more comfortable clothes. We were all getting bored, and we decided to get on TikTok Live yet again. Once we got on, at first, things were pretty normal. People were just asking us how the concert was, as well as other things. We were on Chloe's account this time instead of mine, and this one weird dude just kept commenting stuff. He just kept saying how he saw Chloe at the concert, and how he could smell her, and he was right behind her. Now, there was at least 10,000 people at the concert, and easily 1,000 people in the pit with us. We asked him if he knew what she was wearing since he just kept claiming he was there. He kept saying all these weird things about how Chloe smelled and how he wanted to grab her up, etc. We all just kind of looked at each other really creeped out. The guy had a strange username, and his profile picture was the same picture as the one on Chloe's TikTok profile of her. At first, we all just thought it was some troll messing with us, so we just kept ignoring his comments and were answering other people's questions. Mind you, there was almost 200 people in our live. Chloe and Anna were in the middle of answering a question when I then saw a comment from the creepy guy that then made my heart drop into my stomach. He then dropped the exact address of the Airbnb that we were staying at. Chloe and Anna didn't see it, and so I hit Chloe's shoulder and pointed to his comment. Anna saw where I was pointing to, and we all just looked at each other in a panic. After that, the guy then commented, I'm right outside. I can see you. You better run. And he just kept repeatedly dropping our address. I went out of the camera's view and immediately called 911. Anna was in the corner having a panic attack, all while Chloe was just staring at the screen. The guy heard me on the phone, but he just kept commenting. The cops won't save you. Oh, don't be scared. Chloe, I'm coming for you and your little friends. Chloe turned off the live, and not too long after, a cop showed up and checked out the perimeter. The cop came and said that he didn't see anything. We then quickly packed up our things and got the fuck out of there. Now, the story may not seem that scary to some people, but we were all absolutely terrified, and Chloe and I were still pestered for months after that. We even ended up moving apartments and switching jobs and numbers, but the guy was never found. None of us have heard anything else since October. But thank God nothing else happened to us. Please stay safe out there and be aware of your surroundings and what information you have online.
Thanks for listening. At the time of this story, I was an 18-year-old college freshman. It was the spring of 2016, and in order to be able to afford my university, I was studying abroad in Italy. Basically, by maintaining a certain GPA over the course of a year abroad, I would then qualify for in-state tuition, because you know, the USA can be difficult. So, I found my starry-eyed, ignorant and naive self in Florence, Italy. And while I know about some horrible things that happen to students there, my story takes place over my spring break, during a trip to France that I was taking with my roommate, who we'll call Jamie. She was a female. So, Jamie and I planned a trip to France and Switzerland. We had already hit Paris, and were now going to a little town in northern France. Now, neither Jamie nor I had done a lot of heavy research into this town, but it appeared cute and quaint. Plus, our accommodation was an old soccer stadium that had been converted into a hostel. Jamie and I are on the tram, which we caught from the train station to get to the outskirts of the town. The weirdness all started on this tram. As this was four years ago, I'll try and recall the details as best as I can but conversations get a little fuzzy. I remember a man standing near us, and as Jamie and I were chatting, he slipped into our conversation, asking where we were going. Naturally, being a dumb university freshman, we told him the name of the town, and he shook his head. He told us to be very careful in that town, as the people could be. I don't remember the exact word he used to describe the people, or if he even finished a sentence, but I remember him looking rather severe, and he never smiled through the whole conversation. Plus, he was clearly insinuating that the people of the town were not friendly. Now, having a bit of apprehension about this town, Jamie and I became a little wary. It also didn't help that the tram got in at around midnight. So, at the station, Jamie and I are hungry and chilly as the night was a bit brisk. We also find that we can't locate our hostel easily. Since we're Americans abroad, our cell phone bills got quite expensive if we used data roaming for things like maps on our phones. So we were using a map and email directions. Anyway, we stop in a pizza place on a street corner. It was the only place that was open at midnight, or so that's how it appeared. There were about four men inside. All were incredibly kind and gave us directions to our hostel, and had even joked around with us for a bit. Luckily, Jamie and I both spoke French relatively well, and we were able to fill in the gaps of the conversation enough to get our questions across with ease. When we left, one man rushed out after us and reiterated the directions one more time, and we thanked him profusely. Then we headed out. So far, all of our interactions were all positive, However, it's getting quite cold outside. Jamie and I have backpacks on, and we're now walking down a very rural, poorly lit street with no sign of our hostel anywhere. It's dead quiet, the streets are completely empty, and the moonlight is the only thing guiding us. There's no houses in sight, just fields and forest on either side of us. Here's where things got real weird real fast. Now, so far, there hasn't been any sign of cars on the road. 
Jamie and I are talking about how odd it felt and wondering if we were near a hostel, when all of a sudden, Jamie then trips on literally nothing and falls face first onto the ground. I could actually hear the sound of her head connecting with the concrete. Her backpack had shoved it into the ground because of its weight when she fell over. Great. So now I'm obviously getting panicked. We're alone in a foreign country, and my friend may have just given herself a concussion. Of course, at this precise moment, two cars round the corner, each going in different directions. I remember one was a Jeep, and the other, I couldn't even guess. Maybe just a four-door? Both vehicles had just seen my friend trip, and both stopped, with the Jeep right in front of us, and the other car pulled off on the road a little bit ahead of us, and then a woman got out. The Jeep was filled with two guys who appeared to be college-aged, and they were yelling at us, asking if my friend was okay. The other individuals in the four-door were also calling out, asking if we needed to go to the hospital. Now, at this point, I recognize this is a pretty bad situation. I haven't even assessed the damage to my friend's head yet, but I know it's a bad idea to try and keep walking, as we truly don't know where we're going. The next logical thing that my panic brain is telling me to do is ask for some help from one of the vehicles. I gauge the contents of both of them, and I decide that the four doors are best option, as I felt a bit uncomfortable getting into a jeep with large guys with my injured friend. The people in the four-door were an old man and an older Asian woman. I remember thinking, old people I could probably take in a fight. I mean, I do gymnastics and I'm pretty fit, so I figured my chances of escape were higher with these innocent old folks than younger university dudes. And as a plus, the old couple both spoke English. So I thanked the Jeep, and I started hauling Jamie with me towards the four-door. And as we approached, the couple then asked where we're staying, after I explained that we didn't need a hospital. For some clarification, my friend had insisted that she was fine, and that she didn't think she had a concussion. Nor was she bleeding. I promise I'm not a bad friend. Thank goodness, the lady then says... Oh, I know where that is. So, Jamie and I then pile into the back seat of the four-door. My adrenaline is already pumping, but it's now increasing, now that I realize that I may have just screwed us. I'm now trapped in two random people's car, with a roommate who may or may not be concussed, and all in a country that I'm neither living nor studying in. If we happen to be murdered here, no one would know for a long time. Naturally, I'm freaking out, and I give the directions to the couple who seem completely unconcerned about the situation. They reassure me that they know where they're going, and then assure me that the hostel is just over there, and then gesture vaguely out the window. I'm now perched on the edge of my seat, not bothering with the seatbelt while Jamie chats with the couple. I notice that it's been a while since we got in the car, and they give no directions or any indications about where we're going. And every time I ask, they just keep saying, Um, we're almost there, and nothing else. Each minute that goes by, I'm becoming more and more freaked out about being in this car with this weird couple past midnight. So I panic internally for what seems like an eternity, listening to my heartbeat pounding throughout my entire body. Finally, I ask again if we're going to the hostel. This time, however, 
The old man says, Oh yes, but first, we want to show you the library. My mouth went dry. Why? What the fuck? Why would we want to see the library? It's past midnight. We're two panicky girls in France, clearly running on pure adrenaline. There's no way the library is open at this hour. Now I'm seriously beginning to panic. I reach my hand over the door handle, and I plan my next moves very carefully. My brain begins to formulate a plan. I would then whisper to Jamie to get the fuck out of the car, and then whip open the door, and just duck and roll and hope for the best. That sounds awful, but in the moment, my brain just said, you've done all you can for Jamie at this point. There's really no point in working any harder to develop a contingency plan for if she doesn't actually duck and roll out of the car. Before I can lean over to her, the car slows a bit, and the woman then gestures to the building in front of us, then saying, This is the library. I work here. I honestly have trouble remembering what I said in response, and it was probably just something slightly rude like, Um, that's great. Now can we go to the hostel? It was so odd. I'm not really sure if they thought by showing us around in the dead of the night would calm us down or something or what. But my brain just couldn't imagine why on earth this couple would think we wanted to take a tour at 1am after my friend had just slammed her head into the pavement. By the grace of God, the car starts moving again, and soon, we're pulling up to the entrance of a building that I can only assume to be the hostel. This isn't where the story ends, though. Of course, Jamie and I both thank the couple profusely, but also quite quickly, as I'm itching to get out of that car as fast as possible. But the old man then says, Oh, but we'll walk you in. This was weird, because first of all, we were literally at the front door of the building, and they could easily just watch us go in, and then wave and then leave. And two, the door required a passcode, which I had written on a piece of paper that I was clutching at the time, meaning they couldn't technically walk in with us anyway. Thus, when leaving the car, I literally walked backwards toward the door, keeping my eyes on the man and woman the whole time, fully expecting at any second for the man to whip out a pickaxe to drive into my skull. I'm not really sure if they sensed the building tension in my demeanor or something else, but they walked unnervingly close to us as we went up the stairs. My eyes were darting back and forth between the two the whole time that I entered the code. The door clicks open, and Jamie and I thank them one more time, and then we dart into the hostile hallway, with me quickly shutting the door behind me. We then turn on our heels and then book it to the front desk. I know that nothing actually happened, but it's really impossible to describe that amount of fear and panic that had been caused by this encounter. I've honestly never been so unnerved by anyone or anything in my life. As a side note, Jamie and I ended up having a really lovely time in the town with no further issues. Although we did binge on rice cakes and peanut butter once we made it to our room to instill some semblance of comfort. I've told this story to a couple of people, including my ex, who asked why I didn't just call the police. The reason was, A, I didn't know the French police number, and B, if I did, I would be spending a small fortune for every second I was on the phone, and C, I wasn't even sure if our situation warranted the French police to be there. 
I certainly didn't want to be that classic American dumbass that called the police just because she was lost. I knew I made some stupid decisions, and I learned a lot from them, but at least in the end, no one got hurt. And for anyone wondering, Jamie was fine. Our fright with the old couple was way more damaging than the face plant. Hi everyone, if you made it this far, thank you for your support, and I hope you enjoyed the video. And remember, if you have a story of your own that you might want to share sometime, send it in at southerncannibal.com. Have a good night everyone, or a day if you're in another country. And remember, to always, stay.